Welcome to Micromobility, a podcast exploring the disruptive potential of lightweight utility vehicles. Using the history of computing as a framework, we examine how these technologies will upend everything we thought we knew about the future of urban transport. The host of the show is Horace Deju, founder of Asimco.com, and I'm his co-host, Oliver Bruce. And welcome back to Micromobility. I hope everybody's doing well. Uh, today on the call, as always, we have Horace Deju. How are you going, Horace? I'm doing great, and how are you? I'm doing. I'm doing really well. I'm. Uh, I, it's a beautiful spring in New Zealand, um, and the weather's really starting to pick up. And um, Lime is about to launch uh, here in New Zealand. We're very excited. A friend of mine, uh, ex Uber, has uh, is heading up the ops here, and it's going to be an amazing summer. I'm hoping, uh, full of micro mobility and experimentation, and as our as our cities learn what it's like. <laughs> So remind us where well, you are and the, the, the I'm in uh, I'm in Auckland, New Zealand. Um, it's been my time between Auckland and Wellington. Yeah. And is this area is this mountainous? Is it is it hilly? Is it flat? Was it temperate? What's it what's the climate like? Yeah. So um, uh, Auckland has a nice warm ish most of the year, um, uh, and then it's sort of relatively flat for the most part. I mean, it's, it's, it's volcanic, so it's got a lot of, um, ups and downs, uh, but they're not that big, you know, it's, it's, uh, and, and then Wellington, where I spend the rest of my time is very hilly. The thing, the great thing about micromobility is that you get different types of vehicles for different kinds of jobs. So it's very possible. I mean, Zurich that we talked to with Corinne about is got very, very steep hills. I've actually used an e-bike from uh, uh, Smyde to go up a mountain, uh, which is actually in the winter. So it was snowing and I was still able to, uh, because there's a, this this mountain next to the city on top of which there's an observatory slash hotel slash restaurant. And mm. uh, so we made, the, we, we made this very, uh, you know, uh, steep uh, ascent using, using e-bikes. And uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't bad. These are not mountain bikes, by the way. These are city bikes. So... It and you so you just well. did it on the road? No, it was it was a hiking trail, so it was not it was definitely oh, off road. Wow. Yeah, it works fine. I mean, you, you you don't have the it wasn't like rutted or or it was it was it was dirt, but at the time frozen because it was so cold and uh, and still we didn't have you know there was a bit of a hustle to make it all the way. The bike is heavy. Where I had bags on, I was wearing business clothing, so it wasn't in any way an athletic uh, uh endeavor but it was you know there was some exercise involved and 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 uh and it, it worked fine i mean the, the thing about bikes is that they they are very very flexible in terms of the the terrain in terms of the weather in terms of i mean they've been with us 150 years and so they've yeah. evolved to have uh you know the gears and the, the tires and the braking um that are up to snuff so we have disc brakes and we have pretty thick two plus inch balloon tires which uh work in the city but work in the country as well anyway i'm not here to sell that but i'm just pointing out that <laughs> you know i'm just pointing out that if you if you think about a, a hilly environment like wellington yeah, absolutely. You know, the, the 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 bikes the bikes do do well. So uh, now this brings up one thing. Um, there's data. Speaking of Lime, there's new data just came out on the one year anniversary of Bird, which launched in September. Um, they they had you know just hit 10 million rides, and um, 
Lime actually was a little bit earlier. I think in August they announced 10 million. They also, though, had the bike business before then, or they still do, but it was essentially Lime, Lime offers up bikes, e-bikes, and scooter. So those three, I think, combined in, in the U.S., also reached 10 million in about, in about a year, you could say. So, so what's interesting on that point is if you compare that to the Uber and Lyft uh, cumulative rides, I've got it in, um, uh, in, in a graph that I posted, and you can go see this actually online. There's a website I just launched called micromobility.io. It's also a conference. We're going to talk about that in a second. Uh, but within that, uh, within that site, you see this graph. And um, so if, if you look at the, num the amount of time it took for 10 million for Lyft and Uber, it was about, uh, about three years. Actually, Lyft was out the door faster. So it looks like they got there about two and a half years and, and Uber got there in, in, in about three years. Um, and, and so the speed at which uh, their, their climbing is much faster, right? This, so this micromobility versus automobility. Um, and, and by the way, Uber's latest data point was 10 billion rides, and that's been reached in eight years. So in about eight years, they got to 10 billion. It was, seems a lot more than 10 million, but these things are growing at like 10x a year. So yeah. You know, it's yeah. possible. It's possible. I mean, the, the trajectory is, it starts to starts to level out a bit, but um, and in the case of what you can see in the data for Uber is that it began to flatten out about uh, about two years ago, and that had to do with China, because they 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 essentially pulled out of China, and and so the 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 speed of growth has declined a little bit on a you know speed of growth if you were to imagine it as a line, but it's on the logarithmic scale. So, so um, the, 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 the lift is still on, on such a scale. It's a little bit shallower um, line on the, on the logarithmic scale. And they hit uh, 1 billion in uh, about seven, seven years. Uh, so, you know, they're, they're quite a bit below, uh, below Uber at least, uh, that, yeah, well, they lift yeah. lifts pursued that strategy of just staying inside the U.S. and that's um, that's that's meant that they they don't have the the rapid growth of uh, you know Asia and 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 Latin America and other and other right, markets as right. well. Right, but the, that's the whole point in 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 looking at at these trajectories, and you're saying okay, ten million, but what's next next year going to look like? It's not going to be twenty yep. million. It could be a hundred million, um, yep. and so it could be a billion. The year after that, so these guys, I think, is very much trying to get on those on those types of scales, and so, um, and the fuel that's making it possible. I mean, the amount of capital needed is actually less than what we saw attracted into uh, into Lyft and Uber. It, the efficiency is that although you're buying scooters, uh, you're not paying drivers or you're not paying them, you know, acquisition costs. Um, and, and so the, the, the interesting thing, okay, so, so here's the point about growth rates and it's hard to do this without a visual, but, uh, what I try to do is, is put these ramps. So, so they're all starting at the same time. They're sort of, they're all zeroed to the same point. 
And, and so when you're looking at them, it looks like, you know, who's steeper is the one who's faster. And, of course, they may have started different times. When you, when you bring them to the same zero, then, then you can compare the growth rates. And, um, and clearly, the, the scooter rates are faster than the car sharing rates. But sure. I compare them as well to uh, what I call the platform adoption ramps. Now, these platforms are computing platforms, and I've been collecting these over the years. And, and you know, I used to call this the race to a billion and that was a billion customers or a billion users or a billion, uh, you know, install base. And this, mm-hmm. this figure was put forward in, in the time when, when, you know, iOS and Android were fairly new. And so the question was, who was going to get to a billion first? Uh, and also Facebook was fairly new. So this is between 2000, I'd say 2008 and 2012. This was sort of a really, a really interesting race to follow. And in order to illustrate it better, I, I, or to compare these better, I began to dig up all the old data for all the different adoption rates. So I'm looking at everything from AOL, which is like a story from the 90s, to the personal computer, which is a story going back to the 80s to uh, things like BlackBerry, the iPod, uh, Nokia, um, iTunes, uh, Facebook, uh, and then various things like uh, iMode even, which is something that disappeared, but it was in, in, in hugely you know, exciting in, in Japan as a sort of alternative internet on the phone. Um, oh, interesting. Th- okay. Things like Windows Phone, Windows being, uh, you know, uh, an operating system for phones as well. And even the game platforms, the Wii versus the uh, Xbox versus Sony. So, you, you, you know, you have, you have historic patterns and they're exponential. They're all trying to get up to uh, 1 billion. And actually, the first to get there was, was actually Android. And Android yeah. get there in about, uh, looks like, uh, and, and, and it's measured in quarters. So it looks about 20 quarters. So, uh five years or so. And, uh, and so in five years, Android got to a billion. Uh, iOS took about two years longer. So th- these are the, the trajectories. And the shape of the lines starts out vertical and then begins to slow down and taper down a little bit. And if, if, it, if it gets flat, then it's not growing anymore. This is cumulative. On a logarithmic scale, if you go from 1 billion to 1.1 billion, it doesn't look like much. But here's my point, and if you if you put dozens and dozens of computing platforms, uh, or social media platforms, or gaming platforms, or online services platforms, put those next to transportation and these transportation trajectories of rides. Now they're different measurements. One one is measuring billions of users, the other one is measuring billions of rides. But that's what's getting monetized. That's fundamentally the transaction are, is what being is being tracked because that is, you know, obviously these companies are measuring the things that they make money on. So I'm not saying they're equivalent. What I'm saying is if you look at the shape of the curves, they're very, very similar. And so what you can do with, with that shape is make a prediction. So it would look like the car sharing uh, competitors are on the trajectory to get to 100 billion rides before the growth begins to sort of slow down so that you know you're 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 not going up 10x every year or even 10x every few years you're sort of growing in the more 5 to 10% which is not a bad growth rate but it's not going to it's not going to move the needle from, from on the scale so the the question then is will will the scooter guys 
be saturating at that level will, will, or will they grow even beyond that? Because right now it's too early to tell. We're only one year in. And why is this important? It's important because, first of all, you add these up together. So it's not just one or two scooter companies. There could be dozens. And, uh, you know, we, we have to assume that the, the entire market is the sum of all these together because we're looking at micromobility as a whole as a substitution for potential other mobility uh, or, um, you know, potential for dis disrupting automobility. And the, the thing is that it, it, does be, it does begin to add up, right? So you're, you're, you're looking at uh, China, for example. I don't have a similar, a similar number, but it, I do have one data point for China, which is that bike-sharing users were 400 million in, uh, in three years. So the bike-sharing data is actually on the platform uh, uh, graph, not on the cumulative rider graph because we haven't heard about the cumulative number of rides, although you can sort of estimate given the, the active users and the utilization, although, again, it varies by supplier, so, so it's, it's not clear-cut. I think that this is where I'm trying to get to as we dig into the data more and more, and more and more data is coming available about micromobility, is that we're trying to actually understand the size of the market, how many trips, how many miles, how many dollars, how much time? These are the main quantities that I'm trying to uh, to measure, and the, um, th there are ways to do this because transportation data about uh, current modes is abundant, and therefore we sort of know, uh, we have a sense of the demand, so there are two trillion uh, trips being taken into the United States, for example, every year, uh, and we know, uh, you know, proportion of those that are automobile and, and not automobile, and and so on. But when you ask yourself, well, is it possible? Is it conceivable that half the rides taken by people are going to be on other vehicles than cars? That is the fundamental question. And when you start to see these bottom-up numbers, so so the, think of it top-down as you look at the market and you say how many people are are in, in you know are traveling, how many tip, trips they take, how many how far they go. That's the addressable market of trips, and then it might that actually might grow as new modes are introduced. Of course, because cars induce their own demand, the number of cars and the number of trips grew tremendously, and and so. It's not exactly that there's a finite demand. The, the demand is is very much uh, a, uh, very much a function uh, of the modes out there. Uh, and so I'm I, I, I'm putting out a hypothesis that micromobility can capture as much as half of the of the transportation market. Whether that market is in trips, market is in miles, or market is in dollars, or market is in time. Because this, these are these are the things that are that are fundamentally the economic drivers, uh, and ultimately as well, they're the drivers of carbon, the energy, and uh, ultimately climate change. Because imagine transitioning half half the transportation burden away from uh, fossil fuels; it's it's really impactful. And so yeah, if and it, it also happens. The, that's the worst stuff. I mean, if you if you really think about it, it's like highly inefficient car use in cities yeah. versus, you know, um, uh, I mean, the sort of the longer distance stuff where the car is actually functioning quite well and it's, you know, yeah, a well been, better fit that, for purpose. That's the whole point is if using 4,000 pounds or 2,000 kilograms in order to transport a 100 kilogram payload is is grossly, grossly inefficient. I mean, you're using 90 
plus percent of the energy to move the vehicle, not the payload. And that that if you if if you you know we're not telling people to stay home, we're not telling people to travel less. We're actually expecting them to travel more through these new, new modes. We're, we're you know we're, we're going to expect people to take more rides, to take more trips, to do more stuff. So in fact, we might see increase in productivity. We might see decrease in congestion. We might and on top of that, we're going to see because these are so. An, orders of magnitude more efficient, possibly two to three times, uh, two to three orders more efficient, then, then, uh, then it actually is very, very beneficial. So uh, I, I'm not pro- positing that, th- that the, you know, this market will grow because of the virtue that's created. This market is going to grow because of the, the economics are so favorable. The economics are ultimately reflected in energy, and energy is ultimately re- re- reflected in emissions. And so it, this is so much more efficient. It just you, we'll be looking back at this period of time when we're driving around in these enormously inefficient vehicles, and, and, and even if they're electric, they're inefficient, right? It's it's just that they're just too big and too heavy, given what the job is. So that's what this is all about. And but the the thing is, we can say all we want about this. We can uh, we can argue. We can we can make the case on on theory. But what I'm trying to do is is work out the exact time that this will take, the exact quantities involved, right? Is it going to be 50%? Is it going to be 30%? Are we going to disrupt this business through, you know, through substitution or through new markets, which is a very subtle but, but an important point uh, because, you, you know, you, you don't have to compete head-to-head. If you compete head-to-head, the incumbent responds. But if you compete in the new market, the incumbent doesn't feel pain, so there's this there's this potential here for these vehicles not to not to appear on anyone's radar. But um, anyway, so that that's my kind of objective for the next few months is to to nail down some of the quantities involved again: trips, distances, dollars, and time. And these are all things we can measure today. And then we have to ask how much is going to go to micro. All right, I'm just going to jump in here really quickly with a message from our sponsor, Joyride. You've thought about starting your own bike or scooter share system. You've decided on the scooter or bike you want to use and you found a city you want to launch in. Now, you need to build your own app and backend system to manage your fleet. And then you'll need to complete the tedious hardware integration with one of the very different sets of vehicles out there. You've priced it out and you know you need half a dozen engineers and six to eight months for development. Unfortunately, With this fast-moving market, where local operators are consistently winning, you don't have that option. That's where Joyride comes in. Joyride is a mobility platform that lets operators launch a scoot or bike fleet fast and under your own brand. Joyride offers a custom and elegant mobile app for riders, as well as a powerful backend for fleet managers to track vehicles and manage payments. And to generate even more revenue, you'll use Joyride to advertise with your local partners and affiliates. All of this is combined with features like custom pricing, promos, parking, and so much more. You can even connect the scooter share and bike share on the same app. Uh, With a uh, hardware agnostic platform like Joyride, you also won't be tied to any specific hardware, supply chain, or price. Plus, Joyride partners with the most recognized brands in the business, so you'll be sure to have the best scooters and bike locks in the market. With customers across 10 countries and 4 continents, Use Joyride's proven proven platform with confidence. It doesn't matter if you're a startup or a transit agency, Joyride allows you to compete in the exploding micromobility market. 
with transparent and affordable pricing, it's easier than ever to start your own micromobility business. Start your own scooter or bike share system today. See more at joyride.city. That's joyride.city. Make sure to mention the Micromobility Podcast via the contact form on the website or when you call and receive your first month for free. Thank you to Joyride for supporting 5x5 and Micromobility. Okay, next thing. Well, that's, um, that, that's, that's a great introduction for, uh, <laughs> for the Micromobility Summit there, Horace. <laughs> yeah, the summit. So, so you, you guys, I don't know how this is going to come out in sequence, but in, in September, uh, I did a summit in Copenhagen. Um, it was amazing. We had 100 people. Uh, the year before, we had probably 30, 40 people. Uh, the year before was the first micromobility event ever. Uh, the first time the word was ever used in public, as far as I know. And the you know, second year was, was, was double to triple the size. It was another great success. And we're going to double and triple again. And uh, we're going to do it in another few months. And so I'm pleased to announce, I'm super excited to announce Micromobility California. Micromobility California is, is we, the, it's going to be branded this because we're, we're doing it in California, but I think it also means something because California is the home of micromobility in the United States. And so we're going to bring it in January 31st. It's going to be in the Bay Area. area. We're going to bring it to yeah. Richmond, which is the northern uh, coast of the Bay. It's actually a historic industrial area where Liberty ships were built in World War II, where Ford put a uh, manufacturing plant that it was used for the Model A and then later for the Jeep during World War II. The Jeep being an iconic small vehicle, not quite micro, but it was, it was, it's an iconic vehicle, uh, arguably very instrumental in, in, in winning the war. And, and we're going to actually hold this in the factory that built the Jeep. So it's coming January 31st, uh, mark your calendars. You can sign up and register uh, on the website micromobility.io. This is a new website we're going to use probably for multiple purposes, but right now micromobility.io is registered with us. We can get you signed up, and uh, it's 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 going to have a capacity for a thousand people, and I don't know how many will come, but uh, we've started a ticket as we speak. We started ticketing about five days ago, so two of those days were were uh, weekend. So we, we really were running for three days, and we're we're at uh, over sixty people signed up, and we have uh, early tickets, early sorry, early bird tickets that are almost sold out. So so it's going very quickly, very fast, right? I mean, yeah, and there's some big names who already signed up. I mean, I saw Steve Sinovsky, uh board member. Steve Sinovsky, Jean-Louis Gasset. The uh, we've got a the you know a lot of folks from the Apple community are coming. Uh, we've got venture capital coming. We've got uh, we've got uh, actually I don't know if I can say this yet, but uh, we're gonna have a, a panel session with Scooter CEOs. Uh, we're we're gonna awesome. have we're we're gonna have a, a city a panel with city planners and city regulators and trying to work out their interests and understand their needs. Uh, and and we're, we're going to have program on vehicles. We're going to have demos of vehicles. So it's a big enough space with an outdoor area as well. So you can come and test ride a lot of the vehicles out there. Uh, I'm also pleased to announce that uh, one of the key sponsors for the event is Honda. 
Honda is, is, is a gold sponsor. Um, and I just want to do a shout out to Honda because not just because they're sponsored, but one thing that you have to appreciate is that Honda was the one of the first mass market uh, sort of low end scooter companies, although these were mopeds, not scooters in a, in a sense. But is that like um, the, the Super Cub? Exactly. The Super Cub is the most successful vehicle of all time. Super Cub sold over 70 million, maybe 80 million uh, mm. units over its life. And, uh, and it's still in production. And it mobilized uh, Asia. It mobilized uh, Indonesia, Japan, Taiwan, uh, Singapore. It mobilized people before they had cars, probably Vietnam as well. Uh, these these countries had had uh, these these scooters, and what's interesting about the the Super Cub is that it was uh, it, it was a motorcycle in a sense, but it was a moped in the other sense, meaning that it didn't have gear shifting, so it sort of had a a very simple transmission, very similar to a moped, yet it had enough power on board to get you going for, for uh, kind of the long haul. So uh, check it out if you don't know about the Super Cub. But anyway, Honda was there in the early years in 1960s with a micro vehicle, very much classifiable as a, as a, as a, as a micro mobility device because again, the rule is, is it under 500 kilograms? Does it have a motor? And is it primarily used for, for utility as opposed to recreation? And so those that those fit the bill today. Of course, it, it would be electric uh, because that technology has moved on, and I think the Super Cub would make a great electric vehicle. But I'm I think not they're uh, they are adapting it as well. I think yeah. they've got one that they're planning to release. But um, oh, well, that we'll would see make if we a can lot get them sense. to bring it. <laughs> that would make a lot of sense. And also in the, in the same category would be like another great J Japanese product is the Toyota iRoad, which is a uh, three-wheel vehicle that is very small and very, very um, unique uh, electric vehicle. It tilts, you know, when it yeah. turns. And I love it. It hasn't been commercially available. It's been in prototype form or another. Uh, one, you know, it's been, it's been in, uh, demoed for, since 2005. Uh, but, but it shows that there's a lot of opportunity out of Japan. So, so I'm, ha I'm happy to say about, uh, you know, uh, Honda will be there. Hopefully we'll draw a few more, uh, people out of, um, um, the OEM market to come and sponsor us. So I do know for people from Ford are coming, um, which of course is, is, is branding the, uh, the bike sharing in San Francisco, the, uh, Ford go bike. Um, yeah. and, and yep. so, by the way, I, I, I have access to the data set for Ford. Actually, anyone does. Uh, you can download it, which uh, shows all the trips taken uh, on their system because it's run by Motivate. And Motivate is operated or operates the, the bike sharing in uh, San Francisco, Chicago, Boston, New York, Washington, D.C., and I think Charlotte, North Carolina, at least, right? Uh, and so Motivate covers all these regions and they were just acquired by Lyft. So, yeah. you know, small world, right? You got Ford, Lyft, Motivate, everybody's into my uh, into micromobility. Uber of course bought Jump. Jump I have data on as well in terms of the trip the trip profiles for Jump users in in San Francisco. 
And speaking of which, I've got Lyme data, I've got bird data, I've got bird scooter, bird bike, and bird e-bike. I've got jump e-bike, I've got scoot data. Uh, yeah, which, Scoot, which the, Scoot's a little bit different. They use the, uh, the the kind of the more traditional form mopeds, don't they? That's right. That's right. And but that data and there's they're 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 actually going to scooter you know the kick scooter model as well, which is super frustrating by the way because I'm sure they they started out before anybody else did in 2000 I think in in uh, in 2012 or so um, they've been at it for six years and. Um, you know, they started out with mopeds and, and Twizy, which is a, a four-wheel vehicle. Mm. And and so I'm asking, I've asked them, I know uh, Michael, the CEO, and I asked him to uh, to contribute the data for for uh, their Scoot network. And um, and uh, knowing that they've been approved to be a supplier of kick scooters, kick electric scooters, I don't know what to call them anymore, but these... Uh, bird-like devices, and along with, along with, um, uh, with Skip, there they have the franchise in San Francisco. Now, what 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 is this all about? Well, during this event in January, we're going to release the first probable, the f- the first analysis of the San Francisco micro mobility uh, space in terms and that's it's not just san francisco it's the whole bay area right because bird for example is in oakland um we have lime everywhere we have san for anything from san jose to you know berkeley right all that this is a giant area you know it's 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 hard to believe how big it is um and and it's not just san francisco san francisco is a tiny minority compared to the bay area so yeah. um the these uh, the we have data we're starting to put it together so we're able to compare these in what i call the spectrum of distance the spectrum of where they compete in distances traveled and 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 also coupled with the volume data which is how many rides there are we're starting to really finally get an analytical handle on this story. Um, a lot of people are focused on utilization and monetization and unit economics. I'm more focused on trip distances, uh, uh, travel travel speeds and travel distance, plus the overall uh, size of the market. So competitively, you want to, and economically speaking, you want to get some, some you want to hit the target in, in in ride uh, volumes uh, and 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 frequency of rides and so on, that's called utilization. You also want to get your pricing worked out and you want to get your operations worked out. But as far as the industry is concerned, its ability to disrupt, we've got to ask also ask the question: How competitive are these things with uh, with existing competitors, and how competitive they are with non-consumption? How competitive they are with not taking a trip? Which is why, again, I think that's an understated. Uh, argument that these things induce their own demand. Uh, they they compete effectively with non-consumption. You'll take a ride on the on a on a micro vehicle much more eagerly than you would with a car because you don't have to worry about parking. You don't have to worry about uh, uh, you know uh, owning the vehicle and taking it to that destination where where it needs to be. So it's 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 fascinating. Uh, we're going to release a lot of information at this event. We're gonna have a lot of people there present. I mean, I, I should say I have I have I have loads of data. I hope other people will bring their own, 
and we're going to have all the right people in the right place to to make it happen. So stay tuned. We're going to have a lot more announcements as these things come in as far as what the event is going to be about, who's going to be there, and so on. Um, right now, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's just started literally less than a week now. Yeah. Oh, look, I'm, I'm incredibly excited about that. I'm, uh, it's definitely enough. <laughs> it's, a, it's enough to drag me out of New Zealand and up to the Bay Area for one. Um, <laughs> I think it's going to be incredibly exciting. Um, Horace, really quickly for our listeners, who, who would find this interesting? Um, obviously, you're going to have the people who are traditionally in, in, in transport um, and OEMs, etc. But say, for example, someone's just listening to this because they're you know, involved in software or whatever. Um, what, for the, what, what should they be thinking about and why would they find it interesting? Well, it, I, I've been asked this question. Various people who might be interested would like to know who would be there. The answer, first of all, I could not imagine some of the some of the people who came to the existing summit, the previous summits, and how many who already registered. Keep in mind, we've got about sixty companies already registered now, um, and I would I could not believe we got people who are designers we got people who are law firms we got people who are investors we got people who are uh from you know uh autonomous software for you know various applications now maybe there are people looking to bring autonomy to these vehicle types uh so we have we have definitely a lot of engineering talent we've got a lot of design talent we've got a lot of operations talent right these these are the obvious ones uh we're going to have marketers we're going to have city people we have nonprofits. We have uh, somebody from, of course, somebody from San Francisco has already signed up from the city. Um, we've got uh, people from uh, lobbying firms. Uh, I think there are a lot of people gearing up for this industry because uh, it's just so, so impactful. When you think about transportation, you think about car makers, but think about the for every car making job, there's probably 50 non you know, manufacturing jobs out there, supply chain itself. I mean, who might want to come from Asia to to deal with supplying these these vehicle types? And further down the line, motors and tires and braking systems and sensing systems and so on. I think we, we you know we might want to do exhibits. But anyway, I don't want to be specific. But I think the way I summarized it is that if you are interested in mobility, whether it's Automobility or micromobility; these are going to eventually end up either being competition or in disruption. Um, so, mobility focus: are you are you involved in mobility today or intend to be in the future? This is the place to be. And so, I, I, I've had inbounds from suppliers to automakers, everything from companies that are doing. Uh, parts like bearings and companies are doing things like the belts. Did you know, for example, that the the if you're going to go to a continuously variable transmission on an on an e-bike, which is a desirable thing, uh, because you don't have to have shifting of gears and it's fewer moving parts. If you're going to do that, the best thing to do is to use a belt drive, not a chain drive. So you go away from sure. a chain to a belt. The chain requires also oiling. It eventually wears out because the, the components are under a lot of stress, especially when they're being driven by a motor. So these aren't designed for the sort of torque that, that, um, that a motor d- delivers, that they're sort of designed for a human uh, level of torque. So here's the interesting thing. If you look at the, who makes the belt for a, 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 an e-bike, 
it's actually an automaker, or I should say components for automakers, because those belts are, you know, are designed to run inside an engine. And those belts have to last 100,000 miles. They have to last under extreme conditions of temperature and, uh, uh, and uh, all kinds of heat and moisture. And the, the application to uh, a bike is obvious. And so it, it's actually over-serving in many ways. But the, these guys are now going into that market because, you, you know, you have so many millions of bikes that are going to need belts now. So, so that's happening. Um, I, I've seen, you know, tremendous advances in just in lighting systems. You have, you have components now being added to bikes, whether they're electric or not, that project using essentially laser technology to, you know, you know, project a kind of like a, a, a diagram onto the, onto the road so that you see you increased visibility of the rider. Uh, so th so th this, uh, this type of technology is not even something in cars. It's completely new and, and applied only in this space. So, so I, I would say, I, 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 right now, Kennedy, I would take, would take me a whole hour to go through just a list of companies we have today and try to figure out what they do. But, um, but I, I expect we're going to have, and I, I'm not exaggerating, I, we will have at least 300 companies there. So uh, it, it, it's going to be a, a very, very diverse group. And that's a unique yeah. thing. I think the other part as well is just, um, it sounds like because it's in an auto manufacturing plant, there'll be plenty of space. So um, for the for the vehicle manufacturers who will be bringing along interesting vehicles, it'll be sort of like a, a veritable toy fest for, uh, yeah, for all of the people be, who are nerds uh, about this stuff, you know? <laughs> that's what we're hoping. And so if you imagine a space like this, and again, if you go to mywickermobility.io, there's a there's a you scroll to the bottom and you'll see a little bit of a location discussion and then you can also Google this on your own. But um, and by the way, you can it's accessible via bike trails, so you can get to it. Uh, you can even get to it from San Francisco. Oh, here's one cool thing. Um, there's going to be a ferry that goes directly from the the Embarcadero and the ferry terminal there uh, that is going to go all the way up to. To this, and it will be literally right to the front door, and and so oh wow, it just it just you just get dropped off and you walk right in the door. Um, the only thing is that it, they say that it's going to start in January and it's been delayed from November. So I'm just hoping that it's going to be we're we're going to be able to take advantage of it. But in that case, you don't have to worry about driving there or taking the BART. There is a BART that takes you uh, within a mile or two. Uh, there's, there's, of course, you can drive, but uh, if we wanted to do it right, the best thing to do would be just to assemble. Everybody assembles on, uh, at the at the ferry terminal, and we all go together. Maybe one or two ferries. I don't know how how many people it can take, but we're gonna try to to make that available to the audience. You know, it's not exactly in the hub of San Francisco, but it's a nice place to visit. I really. Really, yeah. we're going to have a couple of nice things to say about the place. And I think you'll learn a lot going there. Anyway. Um, awesome. So Yeah, no, so that's brilliant. Well, look, we're at time. But uh, yeah, I, 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 look, I, I think that's really, really incredibly exciting. And I think um, all the listeners who, who, who are around or will be close, I think, would be very, very interested in checking it out. So micromobility.io, is that right, Horace? Yeah, micromobility.io, and if you need questions like, for example, and this is what we want to accommodate, we, we want to accommodate discounts for students, uh, the media, uh, nonprofits, 
uh, cities and, and government so that folks who are not usually employed by, you know, <laughs> or, or have venture capital, if you have some special circumstances or you just have a general question or you want to be a speaker or you want to be a panelist or you want to be an exhibitor or you want to be a sponsor, just reach out through, through the contacts. I get the email directly. Um, and uh, I'll, I'll respond right away. So I had a lot of inbounds through this contact form, so feel free to, to reach out to me. Um, and, uh, and again, if you have those special circumstances, we issue a discount and uh, a code that we send to you that you can apply during the registration process and, and, and get that discount. So I just want to be upfront about that. It's not a, it's not a secret thing. We just... We just don't want to, uh, you know, have it be abused. But, uh, but yeah, we want to make it be inclusive, and we want to have uh, a very eclectic mix of people, right? We want to have people from good, diverse backgrounds uh, and, and get the conversation going. So, uh, yeah, Micromobility is coming to the Bay Area. It's, it's going to be a big event, uh, and uh, we hope to see you there. Awesome. 